Active Life is working with elite athletes again. What's up, Active Lifers? Welcome to the Active Life Podcast. I'm Dr. Sean Pastuch. I'm your host. And today, I'm joined by Con Porter, many times CrossFit Games athlete, world traveler, and overall good dude who experienced some significant low back pain that derailed his career momentarily. He started working with us at Active Life back in... I'm going to make up a date, so I'm not going to do that a few months ago. And on today's podcast, we talk about why he decided to do that, what he's getting out of it, what he's learned, and what he wants you to know. I think you're going to find today's podcast extremely enjoyable. In the end of the podcast, we talk about a live Q&A that Khan is actually going to do with you, with Melissa, the coach we've assigned to him, and with me on Zoom in real time. So if, as you listen to this podcast, you are interested in enrolling for free, it's a free Q&A live on Zoom, head to the show notes. There's a link in there that you're going to be able to click to register for the live Q&A. If you register, please show up. We have a limited number of spots available. So if you register and you don't show you're taking a spot from somebody else, please, if you register come and please register we'd love to see you in there when you love this podcast head to wherever you're listening to it give us that five star rating write a review share it with a friend let's get to the show welcome man thanks buddy cheers good to be here i'm excited for this very excited why why is that i'm excited for it too i'm curious why you're excited for it well so my kind of stems from a place of i'm curious to see the direction we go with this conversation i think that it's such Mm -hmm. a cool it's such a cool journey to discuss injuries and coming back from injuries, particularly the kind of way that that journey unfolds. Cause it's something that we've all been through. And I think, um, geez, it's been one of the most challenging experiences I've faced as not only an athlete, but a human being, but also just to kind of see, uh, to bounce some ideas off with you guys and to bounce some ideas off yourself. Obviously you guys have been doing this for a long time and, you know, I'm sure as much as you have questions for me, there'll be questions along the way that I want to fire back. So yeah, man, I'm excited. I'm excited to just see how these conversations unfold. I, I really enjoy doing podcasts as well. So I'm always excited when it's with like a good crew to see where the conversation goes. That's good. Well, I feel like you just gave a better intro than you would have given had I started the podcast and then said, let's get to Com Porter. So we can just, typically when I do a podcast, I talk to someone for 10, 15 minutes before we start. I explained to them, if you need to go to the bathroom, go to the bathroom. If you said anything that you're ashamed of, we can pull it out so you can speak freely and not worry about it. In the end, I'll ask you if there's anything else you want to talk about that I didn't give you a chance to describe. And then I say, any questions? They typically say no, and then we get into the podcast. Fantastic. But we, I feel like we skipped that. We don't need to go back and do it. Would you agree? Yeah, I think we're pretty good to go. This is rock and roll. All right. Well, Con Porter... um, Do you have a direction you would like this to go? I know you said no, you have questions. No, that's rock and roll. Like I think the less direction, the more interesting I'm sure this conversation will become. I had a feeling that that's the, that's the way that you vibe. I like that. That is exactly the way I vibe. <laughs> <laughs> so let's, let's start with this because I think this will feel out of left field. Why the painted fingernails? Uh, honestly, man, every now and again, I like to get them done, particularly when I've got a big event coming up. I'm obviously attending the CrossFit Games in a spectator's capacity. Mm-hmm. I have wanted to get black with like a purple streak because I just think it looks sick. Like I think it looks dope, really like that. I think I feel like color and uh, 
fashion in general for me is something that I've always been really interested in. And I think it's a form of creative expression. I don't particularly, with my fashion choices, I'll make some interesting ones, but I don't think I particularly trend towards that androgenic um, or even like kind of more effeminate style. But I do, re- I've always really liked the way that um, quirky painted nails will make an outfit pop. And I've just kind of thought it for a while. I wanted black with a purple streak. And then we went yesterday and it's this kind of cool, it's like black and it's got a purple kind of like star, looks like the night sky across there. See, I dig it when I, when I saw that there, I thought that's the, that's the star for the time being. I don't always have them painted, but I'll do it every now and again. Are you friendly with Sam Dancer at all? Yeah, 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 yeah. I know big Sam. He's the first guy I ever met who was painting his nails. And I remember asking him that question. And if I remember correctly, he did it because it was like, uh, it was something against bullying. Yeah. And then it just, after that, I feel like I've been seeing it all over the place. Well, yeah, I think there is that, there is that element of it too. There's that kind of push, particularly for people. I mean, like Sam is the epitome of masculine mm-hmm. from that, from an external perspective, like big, strong, super fit guy. And then there is something kind of empowering about doing something that is not, doesn't adhere to those traditional masculine norms and being so comfortable with it. And I think it tells a really good story and sets a great example for young men as well. And so I think, I mean, Sam Dancer is such a, such a king in that aspect as it is. So I think that him doing it, I'm not surprised that he's one of the first guys who've been really out there doing it. Yeah. Uh, it takes a guy who, com- who would compete at the CrossFit Games on a broken fibula to be the first guy doing that kind of stuff and make it easy. I'm not saying you needed someone else to do it easy, to do it first. It's, yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Mm. I mean, I mean, fashion trends are inspired by seeing them elsewhere. And I think it has been, it's been a few guys that I've seen just rocking them and being like, damn, that looks sick. Like why, you know, I like the look of it. Why don't I start doing it? So, well, you've got me thinking about getting like a banana hammock and wearing it around the house. Bro, mate, hey, if you ever need one, I know a brand that can look after you, man. Jimmy, I'll ship you some. Don't you worry. I appreciate that over you offering to send me a used one. I thought you were going to say, I got a bunch of extras, so I'm glad it didn't go there. <laughs> no, 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 mate. The creeps on the internet pay too well for that. I can't be giving them away. <laughs> so now everybody really knows how Con Porter makes a living. So yeah. wears a bikini for a photo and then ships mm-hmm. it. I like it. Sells it to the highest bidder. <laughs> Good for you. Good for you. Uh, Khan, you have been bouncing around the world, man. Europe, I mean, excuse me, Australia native, lived in Europe for what, like four months you were living there? Last year was seven months. Um, Then I've been back over that side of the world for about four months of this year as well. Last year was seven months in Iceland. And then from Iceland to the US, the US to Indonesia, back to Oz, back to the US for a bit, and then back to Indonesia, Oz back to Europe again. What's it like? What is it like to live that nomadic lifestyle? It's something that in a lot of ways I envy. I'm like, I would love to just not have an address where you can find me. You have to ask me all the time, if I'm going to send you something, what's the address? And at the same time, I'm like, I don't know how I would do that. Yeah. I think it takes a particular type of person to be able to do that lifestyle. And it certainly has its ups and downs. And when I say a particular type of person, I mean someone that is able to still function in a very disorganized world, mm-hmm. uh, which has been my life since I was a kid. Um, but also, I mean, like, there's good and bad. It is the idea that I can wake up on any given day and usually I'm on a one-way ticket to wherever I've been and just take off to wherever else in the world I want to go to, kind of at the drop of a hat, which is cool. I love that. 
There's the less glamorous side of that though, that is people somehow equate the fact that I'm living abroad and abroad as I must have a whole lot of money. I don't, I make a (laughs) modern, I'm a CrossFit athlete. I mean, (laughs) I get by. And so there is the other side of that, which is, you know, um, staying in some shonky places every now and again, figuring out a way to kind of like, you know, as the money gets closer to the end of the month, when I start to get paid, making that, making sure I've still got enough to get from A to B and all these kind of stuff. And, um, you know, like it is, it isn't this kind of high roller lifestyle by any stretch of the word. But I think when I was a kid, I had this goal that whatever I wanted to do, I wanted to be able to travel. I've always just put such a high value on travel. And I've always been someone that's very experientially driven, like driven towards seeking new experiences. And funnily enough, when I started CrossFit, I was a travel writer. So I was writing for, I was a journalist for a travel startup. And so I had these grand ideas that I would get sent all over the world to write. And then who knew I'd get sent all over the world to do burpees quickly instead. But, you know, I still, I I figure I'm not going to be able to do this forever. I'm not going to have the means to be a professional athlete. It's one of those things that it does have a timestamp on it. Um, And, I mean, thankfully that timestamp has been extended (laughs) working with you guys. A little harmless plug there. But um, that's something that I'm conscious of. And so while I do have the opportunity, I absolutely love it and I want to make the most of it. That said, if there's one thing that's being on the road for the last, I guess for the majority, I mean, I was traveling a lot prior to COVID, but since mid 2021, I've almost been on the road uh, since then without spending more than say four or five weeks back home at a time. With that, I love it. I've had such an amazing time. I am ready to kind of kick the feet back and settle down somewhere, I think in the near future. Don't know 100% where that'll be. I dare say I'll probably spend about. I'll probably look to spend another year in Iceland, and then it'll be like, right, where's where's my forever home? And let's 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 knuckle down and base ourselves there because it is enjoyable, like you said, but it's a very it can be a very chaotic lifestyle. Well, something that um, <clears throat> I see in you that I that I don't see in myself, and whenever so whenever I'm in conversations or in friendships or with somebody who has elements of their life that I'm like, I, I don't know if I could do that. I find it fascinating. And I can't imagine what I would do if I wasn't doing something right now that I felt like was setting up the rest of my life financially in terms of like my business acumen, the skill sets I'm developing. And I'm, I wonder, are you thinking about that at all? And is, is what you're doing right now setting up the rest of your life in any way? Or are you just exponentially better than me at living in the moment, which is totally possible? I honestly would say that I could be one of the worst people in the world for living in the moment, which is just a lovely little side effect of having anxiety. But what I see this period in my life as is for someone that's always been an incredibly restless soul, like has that kind of adventurous spirit, has that kind of experiential draw. Um, This is my, you know, I went on this journey to get to a point now where I feel ready to settle down. Along the way, I've learned so much. I've grown and changed so much as a human being. And I think I have a clearer idea now of what I want to do long-term than I had anything near the level of when I started this, you know, let's call it two year 
little journey around the world type thing. And so I think that whilst maybe I'm, and I, sorry, no, I, I don't, I do believe that there are direct things that are happening and that's the networking that I've done, the mm-hmm. people that I've met along the way, you know, taking that opportunity to jump on Annie's team last year and go to Iceland for seven months. Like that's fundamentally altered my life for the better and given me a very clear path that I want to work towards, you know, longer term with, with that community of people. And, you know, Yami, my coach that I've met through there, like he and I have like, connected really, really well. And, you know, if I hadn't have had that kind of restlessness and that ability to just go and do something completely random like that, that could have potentially been basically putting my life on pause for seven months, then the opportunities that came off the back of that wouldn't come. So the people I've met, the connections I've built and the opportunities that have come from that and how they've shaped what I now know I value and what I now know I want to do long-term, I think has been... Yeah, I don't know if I would have been able to do that without doing what I've done for the last two years. But like I said, I, I'm very much to the point now where I'm like, let's find me a good girl, let's find me a place to settle down and let's start layering. I want to build a life with someone somewhere rather than just continuing to bounce around. But again, I wouldn't have been able to do that without the last two years, I'm sure of that. What is the thing that you think you want to do long-term? Mate, so I've always had a fascination with um, mental health psychology, uh, psychotherapy and counselling. So I'm working towards finishing my diploma in counselling at the moment, which I got into whilst doing a psychology degree, psychology and philosophy, um, which was something I went back to uni to study 2017 and then sort of have been chipping away at. And so I'd really like to finish that and then use my um, background in like mental health counseling, psychotherapy to kind of work with athletes as a, in a coach's capacity, not necessarily just doing, you know, the movement stuff. Obviously I have been doing CrossFit for 11 years now at a reasonably high level. So I have some knowledge in that area, but you know, I'm lucky enough to work with a lot of phenomenal coaches in the space. And I think that then providing a service that helps athletes with their mental health is, is the trajectory that I want to go down. And that's, that's, that's super, something that I'm super interested in. And also to write, I want to get back into writing. As I said, I was a journalist when I started CrossFit. I love both writing and speaking on camera as well, like that kind of presentational stuff. And so I'd love to do something in the media space too. I don't necessarily think that'll be to do with CrossFit um, or exclusively to do with CrossFit. I actually have a friend that I'm starting a podcast with in the psychology mental health space. And so, yeah, those kind of things, kind of the two different areas of my life that I would like to continue to nurture and move into post-competitive athlete. But that all being said, I've also come to realize how much I do value being an athlete and how much I want to compete for at least the next two years. And so that was a big journey as well. And so those things are cool. Like they're things that I want to do long-term and I'm slowly chipping away at, but you know, first and foremost, the next two years, I want to enjoy the twilight of my athletic Mm -hmm. career. Let's call it and, and have another two quality years of competition. I've got some introductions to make for you in the mental health, sports performance, like the, the mental performance coaching stuff. I, I'd love to introduce love that, you. man. Yeah. So let's talk about mental health and how it relates to physical health because you've had a really unique journey that I'm not, I didn't fully have awareness to until I started talking to Melissa, who's been working with you on our behalf. She told me that you first hurt your back in high school. Yeah, it would have been the first time I can remember seeing someone for the exact injury that I have now in a milder form. I think I would have been 17 and it was to do with playing rugby. I was lifting weights at the time with zero guidance as every young idiot who gets a gym membership does and then um, and playing a lot of rugby as well. And I remember going to New Minor Beach, she's what was his name, Keith Cairo. 
And that was the first time I went to see someone from my back. I was 17 years old. What, what was the back injury? Or what is the back injury? Well, this is the thing. We've never had a formal diagnosis. The closest thing I've had to a formal diagnosis was from uh, one of my amazing hands-on physios, or he's a chiro that I work with, Andrew Martin. And so back then, we just assumed it was discogenic. As everyone that has a back injury, mm-hmm. you go to a person and they say, oh, it's probably still your discs. It wasn't until, I want to say maybe 2010, I had a really bad blowout to the point where, like this was probably the first time I had a bad back blowout, let's call it. And my back went to the point where I couldn't even put my socks on in the morning. Mm-hmm. That's 2010. And that was the first time I went and had scans or anything done. But I just kind of thought I got a sore back. You know, you just kind of chalk it up to, you know, you get a sore back from time to time. Um, I also have very flat feet. So a lot of the time they were just like, I still get flat feet. And that was kind of all I'd get told. Um, and then I got, a, I got an x-ray. There were two bulging discs. This was the classic. You go to a doctor who says you have bulging discs and they say, hey, cool, no worries. Just don't lift weights anymore. Don't do any free weights. Don't lift anything up off the floor. Like just use machines and like do cardio. And I was like, ah, oh, okay. I don't really want to do that. But sure, like if that's what's going to protect me. And I being me just found ways to train around that. Like I would still lift weights. I could still do bits and pieces. And then, yeah, it was just, it's kind of been an off and on issue that's had varying degrees of severity across the entire time I've been doing fitness, which is again, since I was a teenager. Well, let's stay on the mental health side there. Cause there's, there's teenage version con and there's how old are you now? 33. Okay. So there's, there's the last 15 years of life with this. I think that one of the things that unfortunately so often doctors misunderstand that coaches in gyms misunderstand are the mental health ramifications of saying things to people that limit their possibilities. Mm. Because it's so easy to say, you know, just don't do these things, stay safe. Uh, We can work around it. Don't worry, we can scale for that. Those are things that are responsible. But when the person who's dealing with the problem hears it, at least from my experience, it's, oh, okay, so you're saying... I'm relegated to this now. And I'm curious how you experienced it when you were a teenager and how you experience it now. Yeah, I think as a teenager, I was just every young, dumb male, let's go with, and I got told, don't ever do this again. And I thought, cool, if it doesn't hurt, I'm going to do it. Even though you said not to do it, fuck that, I'm going to do it. Uh, You know, you think you're invincible at that age. And I guess, you know, there's this year was the, it's never been, it's been to a point where I would have to take my foot off the accelerator. And that was always mentally challenging, always mentally hard to know. I think particularly in the early days, I'd do three quality weeks of training that I'd have to have a week or two of almost very, very reduced like volume or what I couldn't, couldn't do. But I don't know, I, I don't think it ever, it's one of those things now, and I said this to people before, I'm so used to living in pain, like in some degree of pain and discomfort, that it's almost second nature to me. It's, it has to be, and there's probably a, uh, there's probably something in that that's made me so good at CrossFit and so kind of well-known for my ability to just suffer through 
you know, the really physically painful workouts, so to speak. And that's purely because like, I mean, this goes back to playing rugby at 17 years old, you know, having to kind of adjust my lifestyle around when my back would get hurt hurt and sore. And it truly has just become so second nature to me to, to wake up in some degree of pain in some part of my body, most likely my back and hips, which is the, the kind of chronic areas I've had, that it almost does didn't register as something which fed into kind of my mental health. I've also had uh, you know acute mental health issues that I've battled with, and so maybe that's taken some of the focus off the physical. Um, until the first time I seriously heard it was 2019. And then that was mentally challenging, having to go back to scratch. But even then, it was nothing compared to this year when this year hurting it is like has had the most profound of my mental health because it didn't just, you know, in the past it was sore and almost two weeks afterwards, I could gradually start to do things again and start to see myself making meaningful progress forward with the back. This was like four months of two steps forward, three steps back of just not being able to move my body at will, not being able to do this thing that's been a central part of my life, my identity, my mental health, uh, the way I've worked on my mental health, you know, fitness and movement has been something that's given me a sense of purpose and a sense and an outlet to, to kind of help with my mental health issues and to have that taken away, you know, having being able to compete taken away from me, that sucks. Mm-hmm. And it's shitty to sit a year out when I was really, you know, this time last year, I was in insane, like insane shape, the best shape I've ever been in by a long shot to the point where my coach and I were talking about setting our sights on trying to top 10 of the games this year mm-hmm. as an individual. Like that was our goal this time last year. And it seemed like a realistic goal. And, you know, now I'm squatting for like the fourth week in a row after six months, essentially not being able to, to, to put a barbell on my back and, and or to put to go below parallel without horrible pain. So this year was the biggest, even though, yeah, my mental health is so much better than it's ever been. This was still the most challenging year for me mental health wise. And I think if I hadn't have already done the work on my mental health, it would have been very easy for this injury to completely derail me physically and mentally for a long stretch of time. But yeah, I don't know. It, it, it sort of just became second nature to be living in pain, quote unquote, up until this point. I believe that there's a necessity that if someone is going to get out of pain, they have to believe that it's possible. Mm. What made you believe it's possible for this to go away when it had been six months of you not being able to put your foot on the gas pedal and keep it there for an extended period of time? What made you think, yeah, if I do some things, this will probably get better? I think it was... um, There's two answers to this, and I think the first one was simply completely changing my outlook on what it means to be, uh, what fitness means. For me, for the last 10 years, fitness has been being a CrossFit Games athlete or trying to be a CrossFit Games athlete. For me now, fitness means having the freedom to move my body in, you know, to move my body pain-free, not completely pain-free, but to move my body mostly pain-free at will. Changing that definition then completely changed my mindset around training and knowing that that was my new goal and that that was as important, if not more important to me than ever going back to the CrossFit Games again. Now, that's not to say that's not a goal, but if I can, and having that shift in my mindset 
made me realize, right, now you're in a position where you're mentally ready to do the work that's required to just get yourself out of pain, to be able to move your body again freely without that stress of ever having to compete. Like letting go of that, letting go of the idea that fitness to me was going to the CrossFit Games and was that was now about getting pain-free. Some massive mindset, mindset shift for me because for all the kind of faffing about I do, for the larrikinism and all that kind of stuff, if I set my mind to something, I fucking do it and I get it done. And I've always been that way. If something is of high enough value to me, I will fucking make it happen. And that's the thing. There is other things in life and people can kind of say like, oh, I'm a bit laissez-faire about a lot, but it's not high enough value to me. If it's high enough value to me, I will make it happen. Look at how I've had this career for the, like, because every year I've, it's been high enough value for me to figure out a way to get back to the CrossFit Games and to keep myself competitive. So once that became my goal, I was so certain that I would be able to get there. Now, that's not to say that I was certain all the time. Holy shit, I've had some shitty days. Excuse my French. I will swear. <laughs> okay. to like you, can, you, you can swear. You can swear. Yeah. I mean, like, I've had some really fucking tough days, man, where even on the path, and particularly, like, the early days, I'll get to that. It's the second part. But, like, some days where I'm just like, man, I'm doing everything right why am I in pain today? Why has this movement that's not hurt before now caused me this discomfort? Why am I not actually, like, why is that like either stopped or progressed? But then moving on to the second thing, why do I now think that it's possible? Is it's just like for the first time, I started working with you guys and I started working with Mel. We did the, the initial assessment. We did the first few weeks where I was like, what am I even doing? I'm stepping over a band. But again, Mindset shift from I need to be a CrossFit Games athlete training like I want to go to the CrossFit Games to let's get you pain-free. And if that all you can do right now pain-free is step over a band and step back the other side. We had hip car stuff that I couldn't even do because it was too painful at the start. It was so cool to step over the band. Let's do some unloaded dead bugs. Let's bend forward and just hold a kettlebell in front of you. As these were these things that like, I just having released that outcome of fitness being going to the games and being able to stick to this program. Also just the fact that Melissa is so fucking good at listening to what I like my feedback and adapting the program on the fly and just having that trust in a coach, which again, that comes from having worked with the army as well and developing, you know, just blind trust in a coach before and then seeing slowly and it's still slowly but it's fucking still something that linear progress little little bits of progress oh this doesn't hurt below parallel now this is great oh i'm pulling from the floor and my body's not shaking anymore like there's small little things that are taking me in the right direction now if i was to look at where i'm at currently and look at you know what everyone else is doing athletically i'd be terrified it would be horrifying and i would most likely be going into that gym and be like let's just snatch today and see what happens as well. But I'm not, I'm so dedicated to following that process. And I have that complete trust in what I'm doing in the gym to be moving in the right direction, which comes from first of all, getting those results. But then also secondly, just like the relationship I build with Mel as well. And so I think that's the two different ways that I now believe that yes, like that being pain free is possible. And I think that blind trust in a coach is a cool thing too. And that's a point that I want to kind of like, I think particularly when you've been in the fitness game for a long time, you can start to, and I'm certainly guilty of this, start to look at like what you're doing in the gym and start to think about like, I just don't understand this. Or why don't I change this? Why don't I change that? And I'm so guilty of program hopping and 75% of the program, 25%, 50% of the program, 50%, what do I feel like on that day? 
being forced into an environment last year where I had to just completely do exactly what I was told and nothing else because of the environment I was in in Iceland and the results that I got from that, from working with the army ticket and the training plan, my God, like I just, I'm so willing to blindly trust these people that do know more than I do. And, you know, mm-hmm. every time I've done that, I've seen that I get consistent results. That just keeps you, keeps you trucking along. Well, I think you've called it blind trust. I think that there's earned trust there. You know, and, yeah, and that's, a better, that's a better way of putting it. The, the, the reason why I wanted to split that hair is I want to learn what Melissa did to earn your trust because you've never even met her in person. You know, she mm-hmm. works at Active Life from Florida. I'm in New yep. York. You're in Iceland. Well, right now you're in Tennessee, but you follow what I'm describing here. How does I want to learn how somebody earns the level of trust where you just say, got it, I'll do it, I'll report feedback, and we'll pivot from there. But before I get to that, what was the catalyst to have you start to change your mindset from fitness represents me going to the CrossFit Games to fitness represents me being able to use my body without fear, and doing that may lead to me going to the CrossFit Games, and I'm very happy with that as a premise. What was the catalyst for that change? I think it was just the the two steps forward, one step back. I think we, you know, there was there was this impetus to kind of like let's just get me. The, when I first had to, the back injury, the idea was working with the army, and I work with so so you guys, and then I have hands on practitioners in London, which is Andrew Martin, and then some hands on practitioners in Sydney as well, which is the Proform Physio guys. Both incredible, incredible practitioners that I work with. And so our goal, because I was in Sydney at the time, was basically with Proform and Yami, when my back was injured, let's just get me competing again as soon as possible. And with that, it was just exactly like I said, two steps forward, three steps back. Two steps forward, three steps back. You know, there was a cumulative, it was kind of like the straw that broke the camel's back. And one of those was, um, you know, the Open, for example, the last workout, one of the most enjoyably programmed workouts I've ever seen for me. I love that stuff. Like, and I couldn't finish the 185 pound bar. Couldn't, I didn't have the power off the floor to lift that bar, the 185 pound bar. God knows what would happen if I got to the 225. Cool. That's fine. Let's get you through the quarterfinals. You'll still be able to do the quarterfinals. And the idea was always like, no matter how injured I was and no matter how messed up I was, I was always going to make the semifinals and then we just figure out how to get me from quarterfinals to semifinals. So I'm in as good of shape as possible. And then I probably just straight through this quarter semifinals and go to the games. That was kind of the mindset then. And then it was a rude shock when I couldn't do that for open workout. It was even a ruder shock when I couldn't when I did the two first quarterfinals workout and I was sitting 68 after day one. And there was basically Buckley's chance of me coming back from there because of the JHDs were going to be impossible for me to do. And so, yeah, it was just kind of like, oh, well, I'm not even going to, like, I, my body's not even capable of getting to semifinals right now. That's that's brutal. So then we withdrew and it was like, like, let's get me healthy. So, you know, let's get me over to Iceland, training with that crew in the right training environment for me to get ready to not go, obviously this season's done, but let's get me ready to try the Rogue Invitational qualifiers and to do some of the qualifiers for Dubai and these off-season events, these big off-season events. And then that was it. In Iceland, I would have three good sessions and then the next session something would go wrong and I'd be bugging for the next few days. I'd have a couple more good sessions, bugging for the next few days. I'd jump in with the other guys, be able to do bits and pieces. And I was just, I mean, I was scaling every second thing that I had to do. And it just got to a point where like, I think I just honestly just woke up one day, went into the gym. There was a bunch of the other guys that were all there, like the Finnish boys and BK all going for the semis. And I had to do some workouts with them. 
And it was like, I was jumping in with them and just scaling everything. And I just kind of had this, this, this moment after those workouts of just like sitting there and we we're all talking about it. And then Annie came over and she even said, she's like, what are you doing? Like, why? Like, what are you doing? If I were you, I would just be at the gym. I would be going to a Globo gym. I would be just doing stuff slowly and controlled because you're not even doing this. Like, there's no need for you to be training like this right now. I mean, I, Annie and I have a great relationship. I think she's just the most fantastic human and she, oh God, I hope she wins the games this year. Um, but yeah, when she kind of said that, her and Frederick as well, her partner, he was kind of, he's like, yeah, dude, just go on, like, like focus on getting better. Stop coming into training with us. Like, why are you doing this? And that was this big moment for me. And I, they didn't say it rudely at all. Like, I know that they care about me as a human being and, and I love them both for that dearly. And it was like, that was this huge kind of like, yeah, what the fuck am I doing? Like, this is the dumbest thing that I could possibly do. Oh, actually, that's that's it as well. I saw um, uh, Rick Garrard, the mate of mine. I saw he hurt his shoulder and he had to withdraw from the season. And then he just kind of went back, rehabbed his shoulder, and he was starting to be able to do stuff. And I'm like, man, like, I'm just, I'm stuck. I'm stagnant. I'm not moving in any direction. And I realized it was because my, my priorities were wrong. My goals in that moment, get back to being competitive, were completely the wrong goals. And so that was just a real, that, yeah, it was this, I mean, it wasn't one moment, but there was just kind of like accumulation of things, which then after that conversation, Danny, and I was like, what the fuck am I doing? Like, right, let's figure this out. And I know you'd reached out and I'd spoken to Newbury had reached out again about you guys. And I was like, right, well, spoke to Yami. He's like, yeah, you know, he's so busy with his guys getting ready for the games. If that takes some sort of the heat off his, he'll give me my endurance workouts that I can do on top of it. And I was like, fuck it, let's go. And then with Melissa earning my trust, it was, first of all, how receptive she was to feedback. And because, you know, like, I'm, fuck, I've always got a lot to say, if you haven't noticed, <laughs> plenty, plenty of feedback. And even just, like, little things where we tried stuff a couple of times, it still wasn't working. I was like, look, this isn't working. I don't feel comfortable doing it. And she found a way to do it as well, and I found a way to kind of adapt it. But I think, talk about blind trust versus earned trust, I think you have to decide to blindly trust a coach for at least the first little while, because as much as you can build rapport with someone, as much as you can really like someone as a human being, you need to get those. For me, it's if I'm not getting those results, I'm not going to stay with that program because I'm, I'm going to question it and I'm not going to do it. So it's that blind trust for say four to eight weeks. And then all of a sudden you're getting these results and then that's where it's earned trust. And then it's like, cool. I don't even have to think anymore. So what I'm doing today. That's what I'm doing today. Let's go. I appreciate you unpacking all of that. One of the things to me that stands out the most is you have access to some of the best soft tissue people in the world. You have access to one of the best coaches in the world and Yami. And we at active life respect everything that those people do as things that we do not do as well as they do or at all. Mm -hmm. Right. And yet we felt like there's a place for us to sit at the table with your soft tissue practitioners your head coach and you to discuss combining getting out of pain without going to the doctor again, taking a shot, missing your workouts, putting it all into one thing at the same time. Right. One of the most difficult things typically for us when we're working with somebody of your caliber is developing our relationship with the coach and the physio team so that there isn't any thought of, we believe that we're better than you. We, we need to step over what you're doing. You don't know what you're talking about. Like that's, 
there's the, there's this perceived potential threat on the way in that to credit your team there was none of there was none of yami was open to it uh, we didn't even have to convince anybody on your soft tissue team that this was a good idea everybody was on board for it mm. why do you think that is I don't work with fuckwits. <laughs> um, no, like, but in, in a weird roundabout way, you know, you're right. I've, I've been doing, I mean, I've been doing this a long time. I've been in the space a long time. I can't say I've ever worked with anyone that I didn't think was, was a great person or a great, like, uh, you know, I've had incredible coaches throughout my entire career. I've had incredible practitioners throughout my entire career. How and why I've changed has never been, a reflection of being unhappy with either the coach or the practitioner. It's been a change of environment. It's been a change of priorities. It's been a change of area of specialization. It's, it's never been, I've never left a training group or a coach or a practitioner unhappy with the quality of the service that I got from them. Um, I think the thing that I love so much about Yami is that the guy is like, he is a genius. He's a genius. And why he's a genius is because he doesn't think he's a genius. Mm -hmm. He's a genius because if he doesn't know something, he will spend hours researching it. If he had, we had an opportunity to work together for an extended period of time on trying to get my back better. He's also time poor as fuck. <laughs> and so I think the idea of outsourcing, it was like, well, what's the worst thing that can happen? Like, what is the, like, it's just, he's open-minded. And then the same as with my soft tissue practitioners, again, like God love them to this, but I didn't, as we know, I bounce around the world. And so whilst I have one in London and one in Sydney, there is times where I'm not in London and I'm not in Sydney and both of them as well. They, they don't do the day-to-day um, -day training in the same way that these guys do. And they've been amazing for me going and getting it. Particularly the Sydney guys, they're about a 45 minute drive from my gym. So whilst I was working with them, it was kind of challenging to get out to them to get back, particularly when it is back and hip related. So you're sitting in a car get worked on, feel amazing, sit in the car again. And then it's like, ah, fuck everything. It's gone down the drain. Um, so I think you guys just, it was the beautiful kind of extra piece to the puzzle. And, uh, you know, I think as well, these, the coaches and the people that I work with, they have in the same way that I trust them, they trust me and they trust that I'm not going to come to them and be like, Hey man, this is a great idea. And the only like, you <laughs> I mean, I've certainly come up with some terrible ideas, don't get me wrong, but I don't think they're going to disrespect me being like, look, I've looked into these guys. They seem legit. You guys came incredibly highly recommended from people that I do genuinely trust, particularly with things like recovery. Newbury's unbelievable with that stuff. And he's someone that I very, very like have a lot of respect for in a business with the guy. And he's a guy that I trust really, really like really, really much with all that kind of stuff. And so he was a big kind of um, candidate. And then, yeah, just it's so funny how when I started working with you guys, I started to post more about how many people reached out and just kind of said that they're, they're unbelievable, like they're amazing, you're doing the right thing. And, you know, obviously you guys have done a good job, but it's not even getting your name out there. You guys just do a good job of what you're supposed to be doing. Well, <laughs> and I, that gets your name out for you. I appreciate that. You know, I, I actually, I believe I made a mistake, a tactical mistake as the owner of our company in that uh, I'm somewhat pleasantly surprised to hear that a bunch of people reached out to you and said that we do a great job of it. And I'll tell you why. Not because we don't do a great job. We do, <laughs> we do a great job. But what happened for me was in, in 2017 at the CrossFit Games, the first, that was the first year in Wisconsin, I think, um, when the, all of the Australian athletes went to take a photo, they asked me to join the photo 
with them because I was working with like 90% of the athletes who were at the games from Australia because it was Newberry, Cara Saunders, uh, Tia Toomey, and then it, it just led to everybody else who was there. So that's a good three people to have in that uh, in, Oz, in Oz, Aussie CrossFit to get involved. <laughs> yeah, not bad, not bad. Um, and that all started, by the way, with Newberry sending me a random email coming home from the games the year before, saying his tendon was torn and he didn't know if he was going to be able to compete the next year. And I was like, I, I remember seeing it, and I was laying in bed with my wife. I'm like, I think James Newberry just emailed me about his knee tendon. So we got in a phone call. He's like, Yeah, it's really you, mate. I'm like, Yeah, it's me. So anyway. Um, but then I thought that we were narrowing our focus too much. I thought we were narrowing our focus too much by being the company who helps people get out of pain without going to the doctor or missing the gym, and I'll share why. All of the mental health that I saw changing for our clients when we were able to help them get back to whatever they loved, and then people who before were like, yeah, I thought I was doing it for the gym, but now I'm a better mom. I thought I was doing it for the gym, but now I'm a better boyfriend. I thought I was doing it for the Right, all the, I thought I was doing it for the gym, but, and so I stopped talking about get out of pain without going to the doctor or missing the gym, and I started talking about the things that I think people are really missing, mm. and people don't speak that language until they mm. get out of pain. Yep. Right, and so for three years, it's been a slog to keep the company at the rate that it was at before because I got less specific about what we do. Yeah. So it's refreshing to hear that people are reaching out to you saying you signed up with the right people. Are those yeah. athletes, Instagram followers, who's who's reaching out to you saying that we're we're a good choice? Athletes, uh, for the most part, just other athletes that, you know, I chat to in conversation. But even just I get the random DMs here and there. I was just I was like, oh my gosh, I've worked with so and so. Oh my gosh, I did such and such with them. Oh my gosh, this helped with my this, that, and the other. Like the odd the random people as much as the athletes as well. And I think that's where um, it's it's cool that you guys have the insight to do that because it's so right and it's sometimes so challenging because you're seeing the bigger picture, mm -hmm. but the consumer doesn't see the big picture. The person that's just got a bloody sore hip or a bloody sore back and wakes up and their back hurts every day, they just want their back to not hurt. They don't want that kind of like uh, what do you call it? like transcendental extra benefit from that. From you know what my back hurts less, I'm going to be a more attentive father because I'm not going to hate the idea of going on a walk with my kids. It's just, I hurt, please make it stop. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we're simple creatures, human beings. And sometimes it's hard when you have more information than anyone else because it's hard then to see from that limited perspective. But it's cool that you, you, you kind of pick up on that. Well, the, the me six months ago, just six months ago, when you talked about not being able to drive with your foot on the accelerator for a full period of time. I would have zeroed in on that. The whole, I would have the whole conversation. Cause that's what I'm fascinated by. Yeah. I'm fascinated by what went through your mind when you did that. Did you ever think that you wouldn't be able to drive? Did you ever start to notice, Oh, it's happening here too. So I'm starting to lose that activity. How does that make you feel? Does it change how you interact with friends and family? Like that's where I, I'm so fascinated by that because I know that stuff permeates all different areas of life. Mm. The difficult thing for me is parsing out that's for me, that's for the audience who are genuinely interested in how is Con Porter starting to get out of pain? Sean, shut the fuck up about his foot on the gas. Find out how he's starting to feel better. And I have to remind myself to have that conversation with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I agree, mate. And it's interesting even just listening to that because one of the things that I did notice about you guys, you, you guys, the language you use in your coaching, that was one of the questions I had, was like the language you use in how you coach 
and your like motivational style of interviewing is so cool and it's unlike a lot of any other organization that I've worked with or coaching group that I've worked with and I being the way that I am I like the balance that you guys have between uh, hey what's the issue now what can you see as a flow on benefit because for me I'm, I'm, I'm someone that does I lean into it I'm like fuck well actually yeah like, let's go and so yeah like I'm curious as to how you know well, you kind of just, you kind of just answered that question for me. So we're talking about that balance and looking at this is what we want to think of A and then B and then combine the two. Like, what's the present and then what's the future? And what it well, like. I, I would love for you to ask the question that you think I already answered because I'm curious if there's more to the answer. Which is, where did you come up with? What was it that made you realize that what you needed to do was so much more than simply what's the problem? Cool, here's how we're going to fix it and take that more holistic approach that you guys do. Like, let's look at this from a perspective of, I want to know, you know, how this, you know, you guys, there was a lot of like really, really awesome interviewing techniques like really coaxing me to dive deeper and talk about how it would feel to overcome X and how it would feel to kind of go that. And going down that path, I mean, it shows, it shows a level of kind, it's a type of coaching that doesn't happen a lot in this space. I don't, I haven't found anyway. And so where did you guys like, that up from and what was it that made you guys want to go down that path rather than just saying hey let's do x uh what's wrong cool here's your screening let's do this hopefully you get better i love that question and i want to answer it for you completely so it started off where i would be doing i was i was a one-man band for a while and like in 2018 i decided to leave my clinical practice and in 2000 it was 2013 through 2018 that really people started finding out who we were. And in 2018, I decided to leave clinical practice in the gym to do it all by myself. And then I started to recruit friends to be on the team with me. So I was doing all of the sales calls. Every time somebody wanted to work with us, I was talking to them to make sure I thought we could help them and get them to sign up. The first thing was, I very much disliked having to feel as though I needed to convince somebody that, what we did was worth the money that they were going to pay us for it. And most of the sales training that's out there is like, find a pain point, irritate it, agitate it, make them sit in it, and then offer them to exchange their money to get out of that pain. And I hate that. Yeah. I hate that. So I never resonated with it. So that was number one. I'm like, okay, well, I don't like this. It's financially successful. I'm good at it, but I don't like it. Number two was in working with people early on, like their first session, when we would start to talk about what is pain, like how are you deciding that this hurts? Once people understood how injury occurs, what pain actually is, they would remark to me over and over and over again on the call, I already feel better. I'm not 100% better but I already have a reduction in my pain and more optimism that this is going to work as a result of this conversation. Thank you. And I'm like, well, that's inspiring. I wish I could have had that conversation before they enrolled because then they probably would have just enrolled off of the social proof that they experienced. Mm-hmm. So the next thing is how do we stop being in a sales position and get into a buying position So that the person who we're talking to, who's considering working with us, is actually the one making the sale and we're making the purchase. Mm. What I mean by that is we want you, Con Porter, Mm. to sell us that 
you believe we can help you. And I got that. I can hand on heart say that that was almost, I mean, you, I wouldn't have been able to articulate it like that, but exactly what you described is exactly how I felt in the initial kind of few weeks of liaising with both yourself and Melissa. It was really cool. I love to hear that. Thank you. The, the most common thing that happens to somebody after they purchase something that they feel like is expensive and uncomfortable to buy is they start swirling with doubt about the decision that they just made. Was that the right decision? Should I have done that? Oh my God, I could have spent it over here. Are they actually be able to help me? Now I'm out all of this money. That's where people go, even though in the moment they were 100% certain this was going to work, right? And so now what happens is as soon as they start working with the, the staff member, they're more difficult to help. Because they're, they're hyper aware of every little thing and they're looking for confirmation that they made a bad decision. You follow? Yep. When we flip the script and when we're not genuinely not in a rush to sign anybody up and when we're genuinely making sure that you're the one who's 100% sure this is what you want to do before we ask you to enroll with us, all of that fear after enrollment is gone. Because you like you convinced us to take you as a client. So we're in a position now where we can just get to work. And that has been such a relief in terms of the way that we're able to work with and acquire clients. That's where it came from. It was, you know, we're we're a feely, a feel-good company. And we want to feel good and in alignment with our values on everything that we do. The way we were selling before, despite it being financially successful, did not feel in alignment with our values. So we had to change something. Cool. I love that. It works so well. And it's such a brilliant, I'm glad I asked the question because I think that that's a really cool thing as someone that would be potentially looking at in, like investing in your services, understanding that initial process. And because it was, it, it blew me away. I was like, man, I want to know more about this without prying and being like, why are you asking that? I love this question, but why are you asking that? And I think that's such a cool thing for people to kind of know and to see that. And as someone that has been through it, and as I said, can say with no kind of sense again, nothing out of saying that, but like I really did, I felt that and it was what was so intriguing about you guys and so different. And I really, really did like it. So that's cool. Thank you for answering. You're welcome. In the future, ask why. You don't have to worry about, I don't want to inquire about why they're asking me this. We want you to ask us why we're asking that. I'll share, yeah. with, I'll share with you a story that I think uh, will explain kind of how we got to, like, all right, let me back up a step. I think that one of the things that we do different that makes, that makes for a really good experience for the client is sharing what to expect and then delivering on what we shared you should expect. Because if we said you're going to be out of pain completely in two months, and you weren't, you're like, well, this sucks. It didn't work. If we say you're going to be able to pull off of the floor just without shaking and without fear, but not necessarily heavy weight after, mm. after three months, you might say, okay, that's, a, that's something I can look for. Mm. Um, where most of the time it's like, hey, we're going to work with you until you feel better. Well, how do I know if it's working? When I was working with uh, Lindy Barber back in 2017, I think it was, or 16, Seven, it was 16 when she was first on the team with Rich uh, or second year on the team with Rich. She had severe back pain. And I remember telling her, if we're going to be successful, she calls me freaking out. I can't do anything. What's going on? This is in December. I'm like, I'm sorry. I did a bad job giving you the heads up. 
here's how the season's going to go. You're not going to be able to participate with the team in activities until after the Open. The Open's going to come around. You're not going to score on probably four out of the five workouts. Are you cool with that? And she said, yes. I said, great. <clears throat> That's the Open. By the time you get to regionals, there were still regionals, you are not going to be in pain. But you're going to feel like you're lacking the conditioning, the, the, the strength endurance, if you will. Because we won't have been doing it for long enough for you to contribute to the team in the way you're used to contributing to the team. But you're not going to hold the team back. Mm. Are you comfortable with that? Yes. Great. By the time you get to the games, you're going to be the most physically fit person on your team. And she said, okay, good. That's yeah. all I needed to hear. Yeah. Um, maybe three days later, Rich posts a workout that's like, hey, Team Mayhem is going to do a 1,000 wall balls for time without letting the ball touch the ground. Two balls in the air at all times. Come watch. I texted Lindy right away. I'm like, you're not doing this. And she's like, no, I know. So long story short, everything that we discussed happened. Mm. Mayhem takes second place. Rich blames himself because he had a knee injury that wasn't allowing him to train the way he wanted to train. Monday, I get a text from Rich. Can we work together? And so, and we did. And then they, they got back to the games next year and won. Uh, yeah. You know, in somewhat uh, of an awkward situation, I was working with the team that beat them the year before, but that's, that's an aside. Um, the point is, giving the client awareness gives the client calm. Mm. And allows the client to do the things. That's that's what I was really trying to say, and I wanted to share a story with you about it. No, I think I mean, it's a great story used to illustrate it because I, I think that that's it. That's the perfect way of yeah illustrating exactly that. Because once you do have that awareness, and particularly if you're an athlete, you're so in tune with your body a lot of the time um, that knowing what to expect is massive. It's a really really cool thing. I think almost over in tune. Regulate. Yeah, hey, yeah. I, I felt something here. Is it is it bad? Does it, is it a setback? <laughs> believe me you yes over yeah that makes so much sense the amount of times i'm like oh no what's this 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 bizarre <laughs> oh no <laughs> dr google's never a great idea but no no well let's talk about that because melissa i asked melissa i'm like is there anything i should ask con about that you think he would have unique insight that is different from before when he started working with us and she said yeah ask con about how he handles setbacks now uh I don't know what would be. I don't know what would be different. Do, do you mean now? Like, do, do are you asking what if I think that something's changed about how I handle setbacks? So, so yes. In other words, if if you had a setback, let's say five months ago, where yeah. where you're doing something and now your back starts to hurt, and you mm -hmm. had that same setback today, is it any different at all, or is she just wrong? There's no difference for you yet. <laughs> I yeah, perhaps she can give a better answer than I am because I wouldn't necessarily believe that my outlook on setbacks has changed fundamentally at all i think um don't the way me. i think maybe the mindset shift away from having the the goal of trying to get healthy as fast as possible to just like i would like to have a healthy body again that's a, that's a change that's occurred over the time and i think that that maybe helps me to reframe a setback as just like cool it's all part of the process it's not going to be linear but like I think I've posted in the past about progress not is never linear, and you know when it comes to growth as a human being as well. Like no matter how much you can think that you've learned a lesson about something, needless to say, you're probably going to fuck it up again and then have to learn that lesson all over again. So I don't know if I think I've necessarily 
changed my outlook on setbacks so much as I've just embraced that this journey particularly is going to be slower than I initially wanted or anticipated. And I think in that embracing of that, I don't see a setback as a setback anywhere near as much as I used to. I like that explanation. What is the most valuable thing that you have gotten from working with us? Like what, what, if, if you could pin your, your, your hat on, when people say to me, you, should I work with Active Life? And you say yes. And they say, why? What is the story that you would be able to tell them that would have them say, I get it, that makes sense, I'll talk to them? Cool, great question. Three answers for that one. First of all is the relationship with Melissa as a coach. The attention that she gives and the amount, how good she is at listening to my feedback and adapting the programming based off that, how um, in tune with kind of my, you know, I just had a phenomenal change in my goals and priorities that has kind of like really fucked our timeline in some respects. I can't talk about it. It's like, a secret i guess at this stage but it, it's kind of thrown a huge spanner in the works i know she's mentioned it to you but it, it's it's something that's thrown a huge spanner in the works and you know when i was quite nervous to tell her because i was like hey you know how i said we don't have to do anything for a while i need to be able to do a bunch of stuff in kind of like five weeks and it's you know it's a little intense it's only going to be like for a few a little bit of pick time and then we can go back to the slow and steady but yeah basically we need to survive like Three, one week and then a little break and then three weeks of doing some stuff and I'm going to need my body to just work. It doesn't need to be in prime shape at all. It doesn't need to be competition ready. It just needs to work at these certain things. Let's go. And she was like the perfect example. Bang, cool, all right. Let's allow for this little bit of wiggle room at the end of these sessions. Cool, you're going to do this. Let's do that as well. If you feel comfortable with something, do this. Let's use pain as... And just, just how good she is at being open to communicating back and forth, that's one thing. Second of all, just the level of expertise and the knowledge. If <laughs> it's, it's so simple. I came to you guys for a service, which was to improve my ability to move pain-free. Over the time that I've been working with you guys, my ability to move pain-free has consistently improved. Yes, there's been little setbacks. It's been two, but this time it's three steps forward, one step back, not two steps forward, three steps back. Mm -hmm. And so that linear progression, slow as it has been, that in of itself is like, cool, like, yeah, I went to them for a service and I got that service, a service that I had not been able to get prior to working with them. So it's a very easy kind of like, for me, it, it works. And then I think on top of that, when you look away from what I'm doing, working with a one-on-one -on -one coach, you guys have such a, like a broad selection of different services that you offer for people that I think it really does allow people to kind of come to you with whatever it is that they're looking for and get something that works for them. And I think those three things combined would be how I would sell you guys. I'll probably as well like the unique approach to coaching that I kind of alluded to before. I'd probably throw that in there as well. If it's my sales pitch on why you guys have got it done, yeah, first and foremost would be, well, I think first and foremost would be it works. Like what I wanted to have happen has happened, mm -hmm. is happening. Second of all would be like the coaching style and like how great Melissa's been as a coach herself. And then from there on out, it's like, yeah, look, and they've got a bunch of different services. I like think they're very you guys are a good organization with a breadth of kind of offerings as well. So that would be in there too. I appreciate that. You mentioned earlier that you weren't able to get a diagnosis and mm. we still don't We're have not. one. We, we, well, we, we sort don't. Sort of now. Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. Well, well, so, so I want you to touch on that, but we don't diagnose. We're not, we're not providing a yep. medical service. So 
what I want to understand from you briefly is why was the diagnosis important to you? And then you said, now we sort of do, I want to hear what it is. Diagnosis is important to me because I like to know as much as I can, not only so I'm aware, so I can kind of look into it, but so I'm able to articulate it because it's the number one thing that I get asked, what's wrong with your back? What's going on with your back? And I mean, I'm in an industry and a role in which I have to be able to articulate that to fans, to sponsors, to different, there are, there are key stakeholders in my career that kind of need to know what's going on in some, in some about, in like a roundabout way. And so there's that, there's like that. And then also just my own general curiosity. I like to be able to know, right, this is the issue and this is why we're, how we're working on it and why it's happening. In terms of what that is now, <laughs> I asked Andrew. So Andrew's my London-based um, practitioner, like hands-on practitioner. Again, just the guy's a genius. And when I asked him, I was like, can you do like a little, uh, a brief kind of rundown of what the issue is? He's like, there's no brief rundown on what mm-hmm. the issue is. It's very, it's multifaceted and it's complicated and that's why it's taking so long. That's why getting scans, having surgery, taking shots and stuff is not gonna work. This is a retraining in multiple different ways, an injury that's going to require retraining. Is it basically, it's to do with my SI joint. So it's to do with my SI joint um, not moving the way it's supposed to move. Uh, there being cams lesions on the end of my hips, which kind of contributes to the chronic tightness there. Uh, there were, you know, I've got a different nose ring that's plastic coated in now. So metal in the midline of my body affecting my body's ability to fire my QLs because it takes it as a threat. People's central nervous systems being more uh, sensitive to certain things like metals and all these different things, like certain muscles not firing, my hips being overworked with, and then with those cams lesions as well, that kind of aggravating certain muscles in there, which are pulling on the back, the spindles are hitting that because the SIJ is not moving properly. So yeah, long, complicated, multifaceted shit show. So, <laughs> so when people say, come, what's wrong with your back? Is that what you tell them? You just go through that whole thing or do you just say... What's SI joint? SI joint issue. <laughs> <laughs> issue with the SI joint. Perfect. It, it's interesting how people, um, they'll have questions and oftentimes they think that they want to know the answer. And then if it's a, do you want to grab a cup of coffee? I'll explain it to you. No, it's, you know, just. Nah, it's, yeah, fuck. Just exactly. want to you're all right. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm sweet. Ah, cool, cool. <laughs> right. Um, do you, are, are you back to doing CrossFit workouts at all? Yes, but with limited movements. Okay. Kind of the movements, uh, obviously all movement is dynamic, but nothing explosive yet. So I'm not doing any kipping because the, I mean, the other thing is I've got an elbow injury midway through this whole kind of process. So we've talked at length about my back, but when my back went was at the start, end of last year in Dubai, I injured this elbow and then it kind of, I let that rehab injure my back. Cool. I can't lift, but what can I do? A shit ton of gymnastics and conditioning. Mm-hmm. So let's keep your gymnastics and conditioning epic. What happens then? blow my elbow out and it's like a really bad case of well that give you the other really long diagnosis of what that is as well but basically like sprain and strain and the ulnar nerve being trapped in here so that kind of through a whole other spanner in the works which again melissa so beautifully has jumped in and added to what we're working on um and even just giving me the autonomy to kind of continue to test that because that was the main thing i was just in london getting fixed was my back was working with andrew on my sorry was working with andrew on my elbow not my back my back it's just kind of been all up to you guys. And it's been said linearly, linearly progressing in the right direction. So this was just, let's get the hand on treatment to that. So that limits what I can do in terms of, um, 
upper body and lower body stuff. But yes, I'm slowly starting to do CrossFit workouts again. I did a workout the other day, which had 24 kilo Russian kettlebell swings, wall balls, bike, dumbbell stepovers, burpees, and a rower. And it was just like, this is a workout like that you would probably be not even the RX version of a class workout or maybe the RX plus version of a class workout. And it was so enjoyable to do do the thing that I love again, just to do some CrossFit again. Because listen, I've done a lot of bike erg over the last six months. Mm-hmm. I, I do enjoy it, but fuck, I've had enough. I want to I want to move my body again. So yeah, I'm not. I'm certainly not able to just go and wildly jump in on any old workout. But I have been able to start doing CrossFit again. Um, you know, start doing workouts again. Start doing loaded movements again. You know, we're not ollie lifting yet. Not doing any kipping gymnastics yet, uh, or any like a lot of gymnastics volume yet, just on the elbow, but we're getting there. I'm curious your opinion. When I was in my prime working with a CrossFit community, you know, I mean, I'm talking 40 athletes at the games in 2017. It was like my, my Airbnb was like a walk-in clinic. Um, I was in it. I was like, I was watching the games. I knew about all the events. I knew who the athletes were. I knew who their coaches were. I knew who their coaches' wives were. We were in, like, I had relationships with all of these people. I owned an affiliate. I was doing CrossFit every day. I genuinely understood that market maybe better than almost anybody else because I understood what it was like to be an athlete. I understood what it was like to be a gym owner. I understood what it was like to be a coach. And I understood what they were doing at the corporate level because I owned a business. Right. I'm not in that world anymore. And I'm curious how in that world you believe I slash we at active life need to be in order for that world to believe that we can help them. It's tough. (laughs) It's tough because CrossFit is one of those, it was one of those beautiful niche little communities where CrossFitters love stuff for CrossFitters. (laughs) And there is that kind of, that kind of mentality, but I don't, I don't know. I don't think you need to be, you know, kissing the ring of the CrossFit uh, higher ups to necessarily be in that world. I think what you're doing is the right thing. Work with the right people that are in that world and then get them to kind of speak about it. But no, I, I don't know. I, I think that's a, I think that's a weird question. I think it de- it depends if you want to get, and it also depends. Is that is that the demographic you want to get back into? Sure. Or is it? I don't, I don't, I don't want to get back into doing it. I don't, I personally don't enjoy doing CrossFit as much as you do, but I want people who want to be able to do CrossFit who can't mm-hmm. today or who've been told we can scale that and have been scaling mm-hmm. it for six months or a year. I want to help them. And we have the skill set to help them. I'm, I'm just yeah. curious your opinion. Cause what, ex- what you said is exactly right. Like RX bar was the first product that came <laughs> to the CrossFit space and, and hit exit velocity. Right, they sold hmm. to General Mills for like four hundred million dollars. It started off as a guy making fig bars in his gym, yeah, or date bars in his gym. Every, I mean, our our Instagram account is Active Life RX. That comes from being inside of a CrossFit gym. Yeah, and when I was talking about Olympic lifts and gymnastics and single leg strength and all and high, that's when everyone was like, "This is this is the company. This is the company." Hmm. I'm more interested in the bigger picture stuff. And I'm just curious your thoughts on whether that plays in the CrossFit space or not. Well, I guess it uh, yes and no. I mean, what was the catalyst that we already spoke about for me being a, being willing to kind of step into the mindset I needed to to take a very slow and steady approach to improving my body? 
and start viewing you know a setback as a major derailment on the road to being able to compete it was stopping caring about competing mm-hmm. it was completely changing my mindset away from being an athlete to a let's get your body healthy and so I don't know how many how easy it is to get crossfitters because what crossfitters are so good at is justifying an excuse to keep doing crossfit Mm -hmm. and so I don't know how easy it is to get them to buy into that conversation if you aren't cemented in that space and if you don't kind of have at least tools and assets at your disposable at your disposal to show them hey here is your goal is to get this and these are the crossfit things you can't do you know i loved the 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 way that you explained the lindy barber scenario where you were like hey like you can't do x by this stage you'll be able to do y and then you'll be able to do z and you'll continue to progress like that throughout the season i mean yeah that's how you sell the crossfit you sell the crossfitters by telling them crossfit 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 Mm -hmm. and that's just how you get involved in that space so yeah i think it's a good question and i think it's a question that um it just depends on the trajectory and it depends on how you want to go about that, whether it's on mass or whether it's working with very specific individuals that need that are able to tap into that mindset. Or maybe you do, maybe you add a little bit of mindset stuff in there where it's like, Hey, let's suspend the idea of being a CrossFitter for a while. It's challenging to your identity as that may be. And look at what, you know, having a functional body. And I think you're already on the right path of that with the way that you do those kind of like, what can't you do right now? But maybe you shift it from what can't you do holistically within your life to like, give me a rundown of what you can't do in the gym. Cool. You can't pull from the floor. You can't do high rep gymnastics. You can't do high rep squatting movements and stuff like that. And speak the language that they want to speak, which is in the gym mm-hmm. doing CrossFit. Cause that is their life. <laughs> yeah. You mentioned in the beginning that you had questions that you wanted to ask me. Did you get a chance to ask them? I did. Like I said, I think a few of them have been touched on. And the main one was that one about the language and the coaching style that you guys use. Mm-hmm. The, I'm happy that that's something that you found valuable because it's something that we spend a ton of time on. That, you can uh, tell, which is cool. Thank you. And it doesn't always have a direct like, oh, this is a thing. In fact, <clears throat> recently we were talking about how we've been working to create our own language for a long time. And we keep working on it. We keep working on it. And we, I was reflecting the other day about do we actually have one? And I realized I think we do have our own language. And the problem that we have is we've been speaking it. And for a lot of people, they don't speak that language yet. And we're not giving them translations. So yeah. uh, you sharing that is validating. And I appreciate it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's almost akin to some of the stuff in the mental health space. Obviously, mm-hmm. being, you know, I should be finished my counseling diploma within months. And so you do a lot of learning how to motivate like how to interview within the context of a counselor client or laser therapist basically and a lot of the language did seem quite similar to stuff that we learned i thought that was really cool con is there anything i didn't ask you that you'd like to share no i think it's pretty good man i think we've got like i think yeah the way yeah that's cool good good i'm excited to do a q a with you where we invite some of your followers up to, to, yes. to chat with us yeah i think so too because i think that's where the, the like as, as well like We've spoken about a lot of stuff, but I think we didn't go into too many specifics and I like that because I think that gives people the opportunity to come and ask specific questions. So I think that there's so much more value we can provide and it'll be really fun to do that. It'll be really, really fun to do that. I agree. I will put the, we actually have a scheduled uh, Q&A instead of announcing the date and time just in case if it needs to change, I will put it into the show notes so people who are watching this podcast or listening to this podcast, head to the show notes if you want to go to a Q&A, ask con questions yourself. We're going to be doing that 
in, in the middle of August. Right. Yeah, yeah. Sounds good, man. Can't wait. All right, Khan. Thank you for coming on the show, my man. I'll make sure people know where they can find you in the show notes. Cheers, buddy. Take care. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Active Live Podcast. Please remember, give us a hand, rate it, review it, wherever you listen to shows. We are on a mission to humanize the healthcare industry by professionalizing the fitness industry to empower the individual to live a life unlimited by the way that their body looks, feels, or performs. If you are inspired by that mission and want to jump on the wagon, find us anywhere. Active Life Professional on Instagram. Active Life Rx on Instagram. Come to me personally at Dr. Sean Pastuch. We want to welcome you onto the train. We want you to be a part of the mission. We want to offer you the opportunity to pursue this right alongside us. We're inspired by your effort, and we hope to help you in your journey. Turn back.